0: You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today.
1: But really, at, at, at the end of it, what it is for me is this whole idea of independence and, and what you can do with it and what you can turn it into. And and more than anything, what we're doing with our time as they tie to these businesses. You you put it very beautifully and, and in a much more concise um, and precise way than me. And that was just like, do you still want to be working on this business in five years? And that is a good measurement of Are you doing something with your life that matters to you?
0: That was Bryce Blayton, author of Hell to Pay Too, everything a freelancer needs to earn good money, and editor-in-chief of Clients from Hell, a website with over 800,000 followers. He joined me to discuss the differences between being an entrepreneur and a freelancer. And semantics aside, it's an important distinction because so many creative professionals get stuck and confused because they're unsure about what type of business they're building and why they're choosing that type of business. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Bryce, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk about freelancing because I think it's one of those terms to where it gets thrown around a lot. And anything that's thrown around a lot and becomes super vague sets this position such that it can really stymie us as creative professionals, right? Um, Because we don't know how to approach it. And I'm just super pumped to talk about the conversation. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, man. Happy to be here. You know, you have a Really intriguing perspective here, and that you're saying that you think that um, freelancers, uh, freelancing, is going to be the way of creative professionals in the future, like going forward with the gig economy, so on and so forth. So, bring us into that thought, because that's a really rich one.
1: Well, I mean, it's more than just a thought at this stage. Uh, if if any of your listeners follow the Freelancers Union, they they conduct surveys every year or so. Um, about uh, the number of freelancers in the states that are, are currently practicing and the numbers are only going up and I, I believe by 2020 we're expecting 40% of the US workforce to be freelancing in some capacity. Um, there, are, there are a lot of interpretations as to what freelancing can mean exactly. At the end of the day, it just means uh, personal self-employment. Um, but you know, with the gig economy, with with apps like uh, Airbnb or Uber or or even just uh, apps that empower odd jobs, um, there there's that level of freelancing. But there's also you know freelance job boards online, the concept of a digital nomad, um, or complete remote work agencies that are staffed entirely by freelancers. If you look at crew.co, that was their entire business model was connecting freelancers with really top tier uh, clients. So I think something that we get into struggles about
0: is the difference between, say, a solopreneur and a freelancer, right? Or an entrepreneur. I'll use sort of that language: an entrepreneur versus a freelancer. Not to get mm-hmm. pedantic here, but do
1: you see any major difference between them? Um, honestly, there's overlap between the two terms. Absolutely. I, I I'll be honest. I, I nerd out about this stuff. I, I have a degree in writing. It's this is my jam, um, and this is my field. So I, I have a lot of really strong feelings, but. Well, and I want you to nerd out too, though. That's the thing. (laughs) Nerd out. That's what we're doing today. Well, that's what I'm doing then. Um, So yeah, a freelancer typically selling skills or services in their one-person business for the most part. An entrepreneur um, or even a solopreneur, that is somebody who is trying to start a business, usually a business that scales, usually a business that is intended... that 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 grows beyond them. A solopreneur, uh, by if you if you didn't catch what the first four letters there mean, um, same concept, but uh, they might be more interested in selling that business. They might be more interested in what I would call ventures, um, you know, companies. Whereas a freelancer is usually their business. Like I, my my company name is is Bryce Bladen. Uh, I'm a writer. Um, I'm obviously not going to sell that that. That company anytime soon. I'm doing a terrible job uh, <laughs> explaining this, but I, I think we got to the kernel of the truth there. And, and there are a lot of terms thrown around. There's like slash worker. There's freelancer. Um, there's self-employed. There's even side hustler keeps coming up. Um, founder, uh, and 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 there are even more. Uh, they they pop up every day. It's it, it's the result of it being a relatively new uh, way of doing work for a lot of people and just. Like anything, um, especially when marketing starts to get involved, buzzwords start to get involved, and and you have about forty words that mean about roughly the same thing.
0: Absolutely, and and what I'll make a distinction is actually freelancing is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, when we look at sort of the economic development of the twenty first century, the aberration or the creation of these corporate um, structures and things like that was different than before, where we in in that. Era We consolidated creative capital into these monolithic organizations, and creatives were employed by organizations. And so that became what people thought was the common way in which creative professionals were employed. But if you go back prior to that, actually, that's the way most creative people were employed. right? When we look at the, the Leonardos and the Raphaels and you know the Michelangelos and those from that era. They were all freelancers in a way. They had patrons, right? That paid them, but they were like, I'm working on this piece of art. And then when it's done, we might do the next thing or we might not. Right. Um, and so it's interesting because um, we're, we're seeing sort of a renaissance. I, I like to think in terms of renaissance more than like a, this is a new thing, a renaissance of um, freelancing because call structures and organizations have made it such that it's hard to employ really specialized talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more control has gone back to the creative professional through digital tools and technology because you don't have to work for 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 a client from hell, right?
1: Absolutely, you don't and, have
0: to work for someone who treats you poorly because mm-hmm. you could find another gig somewhere else.
1: No, you are absolutely right about everything you said. Freelancers have been around. For a while now, for, for hundreds of years and, and arguably before then. And same goes for entrepreneurs, of course. Um, but you also are right that we are seeing a real renaissance. We are seeing, like in all those examples I listed off earlier, we are seeing a lot of tools and, and platforms and structures that are really empowering creators with very low barriers to entry for people to sign up for them. And, uh, like the very etymology for freelance, and yeah, this is how far I nerd down on this. Um, like it comes from free as in free person, Lance as in the long medieval weapon. Um, it was coined by Sir Walter Scott, uh, in Ivanhoe. Um, and, and it's, the words meaning has shifted to, uh, include those who handle a brush or camera, a mouse, whatever, with particular finesse, as opposed to being a mercenary. Um, but the idea still remains essentially the same, a free person selling their skills for gainful employment, um. And obviously, I'm a little romantic with that definition, but uh, it, yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun career. Yeah, it is a fun care,
0: a fun career. And but I think it also helps um, helps with sort of this distinction that we come up with. And the reason I, I the reason I want to pull out the whole entrepreneur versus freelancer thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's a moot sort of point, but other times where where I think we run awry or, we, or things go sideways on us is that um, people on the one hand, really would thrive as being a freelancer, a solo person selling their skills and services and wares to another company. Mm-hmm. But they get caught in sort of an entrepreneurial mindset that they've got to grow it and scale it. And how are they going to reach six, seven, eight figures as a freelancer? And um, I think that's where things get get mixed up. But I know you have a lot to say about this, though, which is why I wanted to talk about it. So um, <laughs> what comes up for you when I, when I, when I mentioned that?
1: Um, what comes up to me is, is this frustrating overlap I see with things like startups where a lot of entrepreneurs are, are, are not necessarily chasing their passions so much as they're chasing the big cash out. And I am of course generalizing here. There are plenty of entrepreneurs out there who are, who are chasing dreams, who are chasing real meaningful change or, or their, or, you know, stuff that can make a really impactful, meaningful difference. And they're just doing it at a different scale than, than a one-on-one freelancer would. Um, But part of the reason you would associate a creative professional with a freelancer is because of that skills to services, skills and services transaction. Whereas with an entrepreneur, you wouldn't approach an entrepreneur to commission a portrait or to build a website necessarily, unless what this entrepreneur's business was, was some sort of agency. Um, But that is just it. That is the defining difference for me is how these two things scale. The freelancer is... Inherently, whatever they are selling, they are the personal touch. They are the individual. The entrepreneur, uh, don't get me wrong, it can be what they do, what they sell, can be very driven by their personality, what they bring to the table. Um, I'm not sure how many entrepreneurs you have listening to this, but I I think the entrepreneurial spirit, if if we're going to be a little uh, cheesy about this, is in a lot of freelancers, and, and that is an absolutely fantastic thing. This is where the key overlap is. This is why a lot of people get into these things is is for very similar reasons um the only real difference i see is just the scale at which at which they approach it an entrepreneur wants to wants to build something greater than themselves and and a freelancer arguably maybe wants to produce something um (laughs) produce something greater than themselves well still owning it in a way. That, that was a weird example that got a little way from, a little bit away from me, but
0: <laughs> no, but I think this is I mean, this is where we get stuck, right? Because mm-hmm. as um and and as context here back in 2010, um I wrote the the unconventional guide to freelancing um that ended up in the unconventional guides um 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 for Chris Guillebeau, right? And so you know, there was a lot of consideration at that time. Is like, who am I talking to? Like, who can, does a coach count as a freelancer? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure, right? Um, there are different ways of thinking about this. Does you know? And, and then there were clearer examples, like if um, you are a um, one person designer. You won't want to be a graphic designer or a designer of any type. You want to just make the art. You want someone to pay you. you. You can systematize. You can do all that kind of whatnot. But you're not fundamentally thinking about, how am I going to hire four different designers to, to do this, right? Um, I, I think that was one of those differences, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, okay, this person wants to do the craft and wants to get paid for the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily want to build a business, that has different crafts people coming in and they're, they're being the transactional person to to sort of build that system. Um, and obviously they require different approaches because again, going back to it, um, if you want to focus on the craft and be the best in the world at that craft, and you don't want to hire people and fire people and manage independent contractors and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, that's going to give you a certain trajectory, um, if you want to do the I want a team of freelance I want a team of folks I want a team of things right then that's another matter but and where they get sticky mm-hmm. is the evolving state of independent contractorship right um, which is I mean we're, we're going through so many transitions right now so yes it was I, I would say it's a sort of a not a weird answer but it's like that's the crux of it is what are you trying to do what are you trying to sell and where do you see this? endeavor three to five years from now
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and for a freelancer what i might say and i wanted to see bounce this off you because obviously we both nerded out on this right if you <laughs> see yourself doing this craft three to five years from now and it's still you doing it mm-hmm. um and it's you with different clients maybe getting paid a different thing but fundamentally it's
1: about you you're probably on the freelancer side absolutely it's also worth noting that even places like forbes will interchangeably use entrepreneur and freelancer sometimes it's it's just the lexicon is so new in in so many different ways, and the nature of the work we're doing is 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 still shifting in a lot of ways. Like there is no, as much as freelancers have existed for a while, they haven't existed in the gig economy for a while. We haven't had the gig economy for a while. We haven't had all these online tools that empower connections and 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 independence of work um, the way we have for a while, and as a result all these shifting definitions and these shifting interpretations occur. Um, One thing about entrepreneurship that I think is very different from freelancing, and and this is less and less true just as as those systems grow and become um, more full-fledged and fully featured, is that an entrepreneur will typically take on financial risk. They will typically uh, get investors uh, and and they are typically aimed at profit. Um, A freelancer one thing I love about it in this day and age is that the bar for entry has never been lower. Like, for a lot of freelance businesses, you could get away with just having a phone. Um, and, and who doesn't have a phone in this day and age, at least in in, in the society we live in? Um, and that's that's pretty astounding. Um, I actually have this quote from Seth Godin, which is, freelancers get paid for their work. If, if you're a freelance copywriter, you get paid when you work. Entrepreneurs use other people's money to build a business bigger than themselves, so that they can get paid when they sleep. Um, I, I have some opinions on this, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, the dream of the freelance lifestyle. You will see so much of it positioned as people on beaches working ten hours a week, or or getting those passive income streams with their, you know, the courses and all these, all these. Uh, Very nice sounding things that I don't think are very realistic for a lot of people. Um, All this aspirational lifestyle-ism to to freelancing, which, I mean, absolutely, there is some stuff to aspire to there. But there's also a lot of nitty gritty. I don't think anyone succeeds at freelancing um, by sheer luck. I don't think anyone gets rich at, at freelancing Because they read an article about how to work from the beach. I think you have to, I think you really do have to put in the time and the work and, and something like talent or incredibly marketable skills will absolutely be a shortcut. Um, But it, it is not a, you know, it doesn't teleport you from from zero to 60. Uh, it, it'll just get you there faster. You still have to put in that time. You still have to put in that work. You still have to actually produce things and, and, and meet obligations. And entrepreneurship, I'm not trying to say, is easy by any measure. Um, I'm not trying to say there isn't work involved with it. But it is a different, kind of less tangible style of work. Yeah, I mean, this will sound contrarian. But
0: the more we talk about it, the more I think that both concepts are not useful.
1: <laughs> no, I'm okay. serious,
0: because I am because I think when we look at entrepreneur, like, I'm the same way about startup, actually, right? So I think right now there's a sort of silent in parentheses tech that goes before startup anymore. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about startups, you're not talking about um, most businesses. You're talking about a particular type of business where they build a tech product, they get investors to scale that to, um, practical infinity, right? Mm-hmm. And so so when we say startup, we exclude so many different businesses, which, when you think about it, are startups, right? But they're not that silent tech startup, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, especially since the barrier to starting businesses is now so low, you don't have to take much financial risk anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: to be an entrepreneur unless you just mean, you know, tech entrepreneur, Right. Mm-hmm. Unless you, just, I mean, now, now I'll pause. If you're building medical devices, if you're building um, like real stuff in the world where you have to build factories and build prototypes and you do all the patenting and all those types of things, then yes, you are going to need an outlay of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the definition of entrepreneurship should be broad enough, right, that the person that starts the froyo and bacon stand ar- across the street could be counted as an entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think that's actually where the term solopreneur sort of emerged from was the fact that those like with entrepreneurs, it used to always be about the idea, the how are you going to change the world? How are you going to make a lot of money um, and then make it happen? Like you're pursuing a vision and making it a reality. And it's, you know, these are your Steve Jobs, your your larger than life people that, that we kind of put on a pedestal and. Um, And then like we have at the other side of the spectrum freelancers who most of their value is tied to their skills and their their specific time and and maybe thinking outside the box and having a vision is is useful. I'm not trying to say it isn't, but, you know, you're not you're not trying to sell people a better future in 10 years. You're trying to sell them a better future tomorrow because you can do this and they'll get this and then you have this. Um, So between those two binaries. Is just a whole lot of gray and i think that's where the solopreneurship comes from i think that's where like we need a term for people who aren't oper- you know who aren't elon musk you know who aren't just one terrible sci-fi related accident away from being a supervillain we need we need our c and b list potential villains i'm not trying to say entrepreneurs are villains either i'm really coming off weird on entrepreneurs here <laughs> like no, it's, weirdly it's funny. weirdly love,
0: i love the weird <laughs> the weird mistake from being that oh that's beautiful <laughs> Um, but no, I, I get it, right? And so, but that's the land because um, you know I, I used to be a um, contributor for Ink, mm-hmm. and I stopped being a contributor for one of one of many reasons, um, or for many reasons. But one of them was like I subscri- was a subscriber to Ink, but I'd get a copy of Ink, and I'm like, this is not relevant for ninety five percent of the people I actually work with who are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Um, it just doesn't like, unless you're going to be Dropbox or Zappos or Amazon or one of those types of things, like that's, what's put on the pedestal of what being in business means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it misses 95% of the rest of us who are bootstrappers, um, who are, um, solo plus people, right. Or there's like us and like four or five people. Like I think actually, Um, what I'm seeing in in the field is that more and more businesses are built around four to five person teams and they're not quite scalable. You know, mini agencies are not quite, you know, going to be a drop box. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're not um, just solo entrepreneurs anymore, right? They're not just freelancers. They're in this middle that works now because of technology and demand and business acumen and things like that. So, it's interesting because it all comes back to, again, let's, let's drop the labels. What are you trying to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are you really just wanting to sell a particular craft and it's a service and you're wanting to do that over and over again? That's going to have a certain trajectory. Are you wanting to build a team of people doing that? That's going to have a different trajectory. Are you wanting to build products of any type that people buy? That's a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in a multiple stream of revenue business, like mine is right, where we sell products and we sell services and it's going to be multiple trajectories at once. And mm-hmm. that makes it fun too. Right. Um, but I, i again, what are we trying to do here? And based upon what we're trying to do, what are the business models that make sense for us mm-hmm. so that we don't end up on the struggle bus trying to be on the, I got to scale this to 10 figures when really you are fantastic Facebook ads guy and you want to do Facebook ads and that's all you want to do. And when I say that's all, I think there's a less than sort of thing that pops up for people. Cause when I've talked to people about this freelancer versus entrepreneur, what people say is like, it seems like being a freelancer is less than like, you don't have the skills that it takes to be the lauded entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're just selling
1: your services. I mean, I, I appreciate where that comes from, because at the end of the day, you kind of are just selling your services, whereas the entrepreneur, and, and again, I am t- kind of talking about that, are, you know, the the entrepreneur ideal, who we all imagine. I, I don't think it always has to be this way. Um, But, you know, your typical picture of an entrepreneur is somebody who is working 80 hours a week. It's somebody who... I think a freelancer does need to know a little bit of marketing or they need to be willing to learn a little bit of marketing, a little bit of business, a little bit of accounting, you know, just all these things that come with running your own business. But an entrepreneur needs to know these things like they can't go into it blind because they are building a business um, and they usually a big business. They are usually selling products as opposed to services, um, and and I think that is kind of the crucial difference is that product because what goes into a product is so much more than one insular or one very specific service. There's There's a lot of, like, validation. There is a lot of upfront investment. There's a lot of design. There's a lot of prototyping. There's a lot of manufacturing. I I mean, like, you know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a physical product. Um, But there is all this upfront investment in the terms of time and skill and services. And the entrepreneur isn't the one who's necessarily doing all these things, but they need to understand it to some degree. It needs to be legible um, and digestible to them. Um, And... And they do have to have that diverse skill set. Uh, whereas a freelancer, as you said, like they do tend to have a focus on a single skill. Um, and Code just published an interesting survey the other day that uh, the majority of freelancers sell two to four of their skills. I, you know, what what does that mean exactly? But I think that makes a lot of sense because I, I don't know very f- many freelance writers who only succeed by their writing. They usually are able to communicate the value of that writing in either marketing terms or business terms or, or they're able to uh, get more exposure or reach through like social media or SEO or all these varieties of, all this variety of factors that have overlap, but it's still very much driven by that main deep skill um, and everything kind of gets pulled up with it. Um, entrepreneurship is, it, it's a lot more like building a skyscraper. You need that really solid, really robust foundation and you need to start building up from that and you need to keep building up from that because it, it's just, ugh, there's there's so much to it and there are so many moving parts. Um, and yeah, I, I I can't even remember what I was originally talking about. I got so uh, caught up and lost in the sound of my voice. Yeah. Well, I think it's just what it is, is that um one, one sort of
0: spectrum you might want to think about here as you're thinking about um, your, your pathway forward. And, and you know, a lot of our listeners are, entrepreneurs or freelancers or creative types that are thinking about different ways to um, get compensated for their creative skills. Right. So um, I think one sort of useful way of thinking about it is specialist versus generalist. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, on the entrepreneurial side, you're going to have to be a better generalist um, that, that can focus on certain, certain aspects at a certain time. Whereas as um, a freelancer, you're going to have to be a better specialist that does that one thing um better than other people or better than whatever's out there, right? And so there there really, I think, is that distinction. Um, And that's where I think we become, it gets challenging in this um, gray and amorphous world of entrepreneurship that we find ourselves where you're wanting to make some products and then you're wanting to sell some services and you're going to have some events over here and then you want to write a book, is that you have to continually flex and flux between the specialist and the generalist. And, um, if you go too far, one direction, to, like that, that arm of your business is going to grow. So you might mm-hmm. find a lot of traction. Like if you're like, Oh, I gotta, I'm going to become a blogger and then I'm going to do all that. Right. So you'll become really great at blogging, but maybe not so great at the other generalist things that help, that would help you do other things. But if you become a generalist and you might not be the best blogger in the world any, anymore. So mm-hmm. that, I think that's a Maybe a useful frame to work your way through with this, uh, through this particular thing is, is: what do you want to be, um, and how you want to spend your days?
1: Yeah, Just You know what? It's interesting though because one thing I found in like my decade of freelancing and and you know having gone through uh, my courses with hundreds of students is, um, it, as a freelancer, uh, I feel like the more you specialize, the farther your career is. Like the 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 deeper into your career you are, the more generalist you are in your offering, the more you're trying to appeal to everyone or to to cast a really wide net, usually, um, and this isn't universal, but usually... You tend to be very early in your career, and you tend to not be earning a lot. I, I got another Seth Godin quote for you because I'm apparently just full of them. Um, but and, and I think it's worth recognizing that he uses exceptional and specialized interchangeably here. Uh, he says, the market for exceptional freelancers has never been better. If you're the very best in the world at designing websites for chiropractors, the chiropractors are going to find you because you're the best in the world at it. So if you're a freelancer, you must be extraordinary at your specialty. Um, and I think he's right. Um, but I think you're right as well. I think to be an exceptional entrepreneur, you have to be an exceptional generalist. You have to be extraordinary at all those ordinary things that that a freelancer can maybe uh, skim over in, in some way, shape, or form that they can kind of fill in the cracks as best they can. Um, now, all that said, all that big talk about these two seemingly binary things that aren't really that binary at the end of the day, it's really just a – it's like there's a little um, – God, I'm trying to think of a metaphor that isn't super nerdy, but it's not happening. It's like it's like a character creation screen on a video game where you pull one slider one way and then another slider gets pulled the other way. Um, And at the end of the day, there are all these little buckets and and they feed into one another. Uh, and, and the other part of this is and the part that kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier is those freelancers who are deep in their career, who have that very distinct specialty, that really uh, fine niche. um. And and I you know that now that I think about it this applies to me too you you'd probably call them entrepreneurs they have books they have products they have they have uh, all these things yourself included my mm-hmm. man uh, yeah. we're we're both in this uh, this definition um, and yet I am still a working freelancer and and I think that's probably why when. People ask me what I do for a living. I I don't actually say I freelance very often, um, despite you know uh, running a course called Start Freelancing and how to find freelance clients. I I send, I tend to say I'm self-employed or you know I'm I'm an independent or just these very even vaguer words, um, just so that uh, they're as true as possible. Um, I I will say one other key difference between the two, and I think this is probably the the most defining difference is. Almost anyone can freelance in some capacity. I don't think almost anyone can be an entrepreneur, at least not right away. I think you need to um, have an appreciation of the risks you're going to be taking before you take them. I need—I think you need to have skills to a certain level. I think this is why so many freelancers I know who can also be accused of being entrepreneurs tend to find it later on in their career um, because they have, for lack of a better way of putting it. Validated that idea. They they know what they're doing and un- uh, well enough to know what they don't know and 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 where they need to go and what they need to do and 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 that there is an actual need for whatever this thing they're going to be producing is. Um, and at the end of the day, what I just I absolutely love about this is, um, and, and the reason that solopreneur term exists is to make a little bit of a difference in this world with you, with your big idea. The The bar has never been easier to meet. Um, I, I think entrepreneurship still does require uh, a little bit more time and experience and skills and, and all these things. But it, it's still on the decline in terms of what you absolutely need.
0: Yeah, what I would say on this one is like when people come to me, because I am a business growth strategist, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. how... And, First off, like people are like, when they're like, I want to start a business, but I don't know what business I'm like, I don't actually understand that. Right. Like you just want to have a business. Like, I think you don't understand what business, (laughs) what the business life is, right. If you just want it and don't know what you want to do. But aside from that, um, what I tell them is when you, when you do a assessment and a reflection on what makes businesses successful, most start selling a service. There are the outliers that start with the product. Right, and I think that's where when you start talking about risk, that's where you have to get investors, and you have to get money, or you have to start with some money mm-hmm. to create something that you don't know is actually going to work. Right, mm-hmm. um, but I think there are great models like Basecamp is a, is a, is is a bootstrapper, um, is a bootstrap business that I love to to reference because they started. I mean, they're huge now, right? Um, multiple books, um, the, the software they've had spinoffs, all sorts of things, right? But mm-hmm. they started as web. Um, web designers, they started selling services. And when you look at a lot of businesses, they start by selling services and then figure out like I'm solving the same damn five things over and over again. And I'm using the same five steps to solve this problem. I can create a product that shows people how to do this Mm-hmm. Right, because they're not going to be able to afford my rates, and they don't need to. I can productize this IP, right? And mm-hmm. so I think that's what starts that journey. But if you come out of the gate wanting to sell products, you have to start thinking about what's your distribution channel or size of your list. Like, have you validated the product? How long? How many of those products do you have to sell to actually make a living? So on and so forth. You have to ask those questions. And so the reason the reason I'm sliding this in is because, um, starting. With selling a craft or a skill is something that most people can do, right? If you have some marketable craft or skill, mm-hmm. you can learn to sell that and deliver that. Building products around that, building a platform around that, it is a different skill set. And um, you know, I was talking to someone earlier today um, about authors, and there there's a slice of the of the aspirational author market. That's unwilling to do the marketing and platform building and all the stuff that it takes to actually be a successful author. Mm-hmm. They want to write a book. And then there's another slice that realizes that it's an investment in their future, so on and so forth, right? And they're fundamentally different segments, right? With different mentalities and things like that. So I think going into it, the freelancers is freelancer versus entrepreneurs kind of that same thing. What um, what are you gonna focus on right now? What's gonna drive um, your business needs, which might be income, right? Mm-hmm. Services typically sell pretty quickly if you know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Get money pretty quickly, puts food over your head, so you can do it again. Um, now, there's the service cycle that you can get stuck in, right? You got to make money, so you sell the service. You got to make money, so you sell the service, and you're not able to build the other things that you think. But, um, I, you know, to sort of riff on your point there, Bryce. Yes, there is on the freelancing side of things, the focus is really enormous. Um, And it's an enormous advantage for so many, you know, either real ADD or functional ADD creative people, right? That have so many different options. When you just say, you know what, if you're going to be a writer and you're going to write long form sales copy, get really good at writing and selling long form sales copy. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing you have to do. Well, two things get good at writing it and get good at selling it. Right. Yeah. Whereas, if you want to build a whole business around that, you got to get a good at different things
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. and And you also need to not only do that thing but communicate it to others. You, oh, there's just so many more aspects to it, so many more angles when you look at it as a business. Um, I am going to throw one more wrinkle in there because, Why not? Um, And that is the idea that a lot of entrepreneurs do sell services, but they call it a product. Um, If you look at Oracle, for example, um, they claim they had a database. You bought their database, send a team of consultants to help you, quote unquote, install it um, to make sure the database fits your need. But for the first years of their existence, they claimed to have a product, but they were really a consulting company. Um, The product... uh, was valued higher than services, so it was framed that way, but all their product really was was an idea and and the skills of the people they employed. Uh, and it's also worth looking at, like, look at other software companies, and you'll notice that almost every major software company was like that at the beginning. Um, and, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it sort of mirrors the... Uh, the transition from from freelancer to let's use the term solopreneur here because they do tend to uh, be going it alone when they when they come up with their business. Um, there, there's just so much more to it, and and there's this one other angle I wanted to bring up because I I can't let this this poor horse die, uh, and that is this one aspect that I think like has people. Kind of looking at entrepreneurship with with those rose tinted glasses, um, because I, I'm actually shocked by the number of people who who don't think of a traditional business owner as an entrepreneur, and they have again that sort of lauded celebrity idea in their mind, and that is just that like entrepreneurship is not easy, like and 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 at the end of the day, it's almost. N- definitely not fun you might find satisfaction in it you might find that deep sense of value and that is fantastic but i just can't believe how many people would want that like i like to think i'm a a hardworking guy and 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 i've had weeks and years of my career where i have i probably worked more than is healthy but at the end of the day that was just like why would somebody want this (laughs) like why would they laud this as as this ideal like way of doing work and and Four out of five companies in the U.S. just fail; they crash and burn. Um, and and I, I inherently believe in the value of failure as a you know as a way to learn and come up with new ideas. And and there's really no substitute for it sometimes. But it's rarely fun at the time. Um, and yet there are all these people who are just hungry to go out there and and work 80 hours a week and 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 crash and burn. And and I think a big part of it is. They don't appreciate that that is the reality for a lot of entrepreneurs out there um, because they are operating at an entirely different scale. There are so many more moving parts and so much more on the line as a result. Yeah, no matter where you are on the spectrum, like, and sometimes I'm the deliverer of of
0: unwelcome truth, but um, most business, most people's first business either fails or is not the business that's going to be the one that um, is going to be long term sustainable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and that's just a, no matter where you are on the freelancer, entrepreneur, bootstrapper, solopreneur spectrum, where you start is very rarely what's going to um, be where anything close to where you are when you when that business matures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you got to go through a business or two or a brand or two if you're going to go with the online business route, right? You start one website and you realize, oh. This does not have the market, or I don't actually like talking about it. And you got to shut it down or morph it or do something different, right? Um, mm-hmm. that's normal. That's the normal pathway for folks, right? It's very unusual for you to start a business from day one, and that's the business that matures and is successful and feeds you and makes you happy and serves clients well, all those types of things. Because we're not popped out of the womb understanding how business works, mm-hmm. right? And even if you get an MBA in this stuff, they teach you how to manage other people's businesses. They don't teach you how necessarily to start and manage your own business, whether that's freelance or otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. So um, failure is a part of the road for everybody. Um, I think one of the one of the things we're talking about here is um, the scale of risk that you might take when starting a freelance and/ or service based business is much lower because it's you and a phone and email and being able to deliver against what you promise, um, as opposed to making a product
1: and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing I meant to bring up, but I just got so lost in all the words I was saying, was uh, the other part of this whole like startup uh, culture, as it were, is that there is this pervasive idea out there that you don't need to actually succeed to make a lot of money. Um, and I think that comes from you know the... I was going to say that, you know, that startup Twitter. Have you heard of this thing? Um, (laughs) but like the idea that everyone has Twitter in their lives and and you hear about all these funding drives and how much money the CEO is making. And then you look at their actual profitability and it's like, wait a tick. (laughs) Like they're not actually making money. Like, how does that add up? Um, and, you know, there are reasons for that, and that that is arguably part of a much, much bigger conversation. Um, But that is sort of that idea of entrepreneurship that is going to, quote-unquote, change the world. That is where uh, venture capitalism originally came from, was the idea that uh, it was such a difficult problem that required such a huge upfront investment. that That's why you had people investing in it, because the payout at the end was going to be astounding. Um, unfortunately, that idea... Well, I say, unfortunately, maybe I'll be very proven wrong and and Twitter will save the world. I'm mm, doubtful. I've been on Twitter recently. <laughs> it's incremental improvements, guys. But, um, all I was going to say there is you see a lot of these quote unquote unicorns. Now you see a lot of businesses that aren't what I would technically define as businesses. These are startups that bleed red when they should bleed black, um, and 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 I think we're getting like a, a sort of retort to that these days. I see a lot more uh, VCs. and and I'm sorry if i'm I'm putting this under a lens that uh, a lot of people don't either care about or uh, understand. Um I, I'm more and more in this world these days, so it's been on my mind. but I, I think there's been a response from vCS from from people who invest in these businesses, from people who start in these businesses, um, that like the, the, the sort of like rubber rebound effect where they're realizing like, oh, like that, that dream of the selling the idea of something as opposed to the actual proven thing um, that had its time in the sun. It was like that first dot-com boom and bust. That's what I
0: was thinking, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and now like I, I think we kind of had that uh, to a less uh, wild extent recently as well, like within the past decade. Um, and I'm wondering what the next wave of it will look like. But it's it's just something that uh, I finally have enough wisdom of years to look back on and be like, I've seen this trend before, um, and and that's what I talk about. That's what I mean when I say like, uh, you know, sometimes you need to fail. And this isn't necessarily me failing when I look at what's happened in the past and how it might happen again. But it's worth keeping an eye on. Well, ten xing in five years
0: is not relevant for ninety nine percent of businesses. It's not mm-hmm. something you would want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really the model that the tech startup and sort of investor community is looking for. I give you this money in five years, I'm going to get a 10 X payout and you have to show that you have to project that. That's what I'm going to say. You have to project that growth. Mm -hmm. Um, most of us are either not going to be able to do that or won't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it goes back to what I said, why I stopped reading ink. Um, I don't want that to be the, um, sort of mentality that I pick up by osmosis of everything I read so that I wake up in the morning, like, how am I going to 10 X my business? Well, yes, I want to grow the business. There are different avenues I want to take, but what makes sense for this business, given what I'm trying to do? Um, and it's much more inner directed than outer directed and trying to chase, you know, seven figures or eight figures Um, and prioritizing that with this other thing we call life that actually needs some attention. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And where do I want my life to be and how does building this business build a better life for me? And if I'm, this business is not building a better life for me, something is fundamentally wrong from my mindset. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of ways to make money. Um, And, you know, at the same time, I, I think in the startup world, why what I don't like about it, and granted, this is a massive critique, and Bryce mentioned this earlier. Like we understand there are different people, but I think in our world of bootstrappers and freelancers and solopreneurs, we need to be able to answer the question of: Am I building a business that I will want to be in in five years? Mm-hmm. Whereas on that sort of tech startup side, it's like: Do am I building a business that I can sell and flip in five years? Those are fundamentally
1: different questions. Absolutely, and and that is. Yet another fundamental difference between these two concepts uh, of, of the people who started freelancing, referencing that and co survey again. Um, only 7% said they did it for for financial reasons, um, but more than 40% said it was for personal growth and flexibility um, and like, admittedly, like, 77% of the people... Sorry, I keep throwing out facts and figures. I hope you find this data as interesting as I do. Um, but 70... Over over three-quarters of people who responded to the survey said they're not actually more financially stable since they started working for themselves, since going independent. Um, however, they're markedly happier with about 75, 70% of people saying their quality of life has improved. Um, and yeah, that might mean working a little bit more, but you get that flexibility. It's 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 sort of the cost of freedom. Um, and I don't know that's sort of a cheesy way to put it, but that is 100% why I started freelancing in the first place. I, I realized from a very young age, driving to work for an hour each way each day for the next 30 years and, and having to arbitrarily work from eight to four um, and, you know, in this square cubicle like it. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with finding that satisfying or being happy with that. But that was never for me. and And it frustrated me that that seemed to be the only option, like f- from the outside in. and then i I heard about this little thing called freelancing and And, yeah, it took some gumption, and it took a lot of time, and I made a lot of mistakes. But um it, the real payout for me wasn't that I was making a ton of money. Um i mean, i'm I'm doing great now. i over my ten years, I wasn't always doing great. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard a joke about how much a writer makes for a living, but, it's a, it's not a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny if you're not the writer. <laughs> yeah, no, that that tends to be the punchline. Um, but that's all to say, uh, we've talked a lot about like the reasons people get into entrepreneurship and like what drives them and and the differences between the two. Um, but really, at, at at the end of it, what it is for me is this whole idea of independence and, and what you can do with it and what you can turn it into, and and more than anything, what we're doing with our time as they tie to these businesses, you, you put it very beautifully and in in a much more concise um, and precise way than me. And that was just like, do you still want to be working on this business in five years? And that is a good measurement of, are you doing something with your life that matters to you? Um, and, and that's what freelancing is for me. I don't love every client. I don't love every project, but I love that I'm doing it the way I want to working with the people I want to and Sometimes as much as 30% of it isn't great, but the other 70% makes it worthwhile or or it lets me take an afternoon off to do something I want to do or to like, you know, just all these all these reasons, all these aspirational reasons that frustrate me uh, as like the upfront reason for, for trying to like trick people into into investing in this, uh, you know, $80 product that that promises a better lifestyle. Um, and, and I'm trying to bring this full circle, which is to say freelancing can absolutely empower a better lifestyle. It can absolutely make it happen. But, um, what ap- actually makes it happen is you. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I've had a little bit too much coffee this morning. This, this topic inspires me. I, I really do care about freelancing in this way. I I love talking to people who do it. Um, especially cause just talking to somebody who loves doing what they do and they're doing it on their terms um, versus somebody who's maybe frustrated with their job or or they feel disenfranchised or something. It's, it's a night and day difference. And and as many problems as I have with like the concept of aspirational freelancing, it really it really is a game changer for a lot of people. And it's only getting better out there. Um, and And I'm very excited by it.
0: I think that's the promise of freelancing, right? And I'm going to reference Dan, um, Dan Pink's book drive and he sort of mentions three fundamental drives that we all have autonomy, mastery, and purpose, right? Mm. And freelancing slash solopreneurship slash small scale business um, is a great vehicle for those three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Now, if you work in a small team, especially some of the teams and companies that are emerging, you get sort of the benefits of being a entrepreneur or being sort of a freelancer while still having the security of a paycheck that comes to you every few weeks. And that's a sweet spot to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I think that's the promise. And, and the more that you, um, sometimes I will say sometimes for, and for some people, the more that you bring in the additional, ambition and drive and growth and pressure of a, um, scalable 10xable going to get investors business, the more that you actually minimize that autonomy, mastery, and purpose, right? Because, um, your, your day is less driven about the thing that you most want to do versus the things that you need to do to be able to sell and scale. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. That's the that's the payout when you drop, I think, the seven-figure, eight-figure sort of expectation. And maybe even if you drop the six-figure expectation, is that you can find that balance of work that works for you, that works mm-hmm. for your clients, and that um, works for your life and your relationships
1: at the same time. That's incredibly well said, sir. You're like a poet, but with business. Poet with business, I'll take it. Business um, poet. I, I think that's...
0: A great place to sort of wrap up the conversation. Um, Given that you're the guest on today's show, um, you get to um, propose an invitation or a challenge to our listeners. Ooh. Right? So invitation or challenge, depending upon which resonates with you. So um, for people listening to this episode, what would you invite them to do or challenge them to do?
1: Here's what I'd challenge you guys to do. Um, And this is for your own good. Uh, I would challenge you to find and reach out to, let's call them an independent since we've been very pedantic about the words we use, but somebody who is out there doing something that either inspires you or that you would like to do one day, um, you can write them, you can talk to them at at some community, whatever. Um, If you do write them and you actually want a response, keep it nice and sweet, about 150, 200 words. Make sure it's a personalized email. Like, don't send the same email to every hero you've ever had. That that's a terrible way to approach this. Um, and yeah, just take five minutes to do this thing. Uh, and and if you want to go a step further, write to five people, or you know, just say something nice about something they've done recently. Say what it meant to you. Um, don't expect a response. I think you'll be surprised. But nothing has been better for my career, and actually, just my that that sense of self worth we were talking about. Then reaching out to these people that that seemed like unattainable ridiculous deities on 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 this elevated platform and then i just found out at the end of the day they're people and they're people who have a lot to teach um and it, it just feels very validating uh on both sides of that that conversation i've had people write to me in that way and it, it makes it very worthwhile so so just give that a shot that's that's my challenge to you right write to your your quote unquote business hero <laughs> um and just keep it nice and and short and sweet and personal um and 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 more than anything else just be sincere Bryce, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, sir. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to
0: Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for
1: the podcast on iTunes.